You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Father in heaven, we thank you that you do mighty things in this world, that you reach into countries that have never heard the gospel before, that you reach into our lives and places that uh, people have never reached before, and you touch our families in our hearts. Now, as we come to your holy word, Lord, we ask that you'll open it to us, that you will challenge us in the topic of miracles, uh, and that you will open our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes, that we may behold wonderful things out of your word, the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, today's topic is why we believe in miracles. It was originally called why we are not cessationists, and I decided that was the topic the Pastor Ken gave me. I said, that's a bit too theological. Uh, and so we're, we're, uh, we're calling it why we believe in miracles, because there's people going around these days saying, Oh, there's no miracles anymore. They stopped as soon as we got the Bible. We don't do miracles anymore. It's not like that. We just you know, have this very rational intellectual faith. Uh, and as Pentecostals, as Postcode people, we don't believe that. We believe that God is active today. We believe that we're, the power of the name of Jesus is still real. The power of the name of Jesus is still working. And one of the things you see in the New Testament is lots more miracles than you see in the Old Testament. You see thousands of people being healed at once instead of one or two people. You see things happening at Pentecost and Ephesus. and uh, You see the apostles doing miracles and ordinary Christians doing miracles. And one of the things that you will learn uh, is that God does miracles not just through the, the, the really big preachers, but through ordinary people who believe in the power of the name of Jesus, that it's real today and it's relevant to your circumstances. Now, I'm going to have two testimonies here, and I'm going to look at the first one soon. And they come from the ministry of a friend of mine called Paul Rapley. I just spent two weeks with him in the Philippines. He's real. He's genuine. He doesn't ask for money. He doesn't glorify himself. And he's got about 100 testimonies online on his website, paulrapley.com. I just picked out two at random. So here's the first uh, of his testimonies. Uh, and just listen to this. This happened in Southern California. And he's interviewing the people involved. Uh, this is Paul and I'm in Southern California and God did something extraordinary today. So what happened? Hi, I have, um, I've been in the hospital for the last two years. Started out with uh, all kinds of abscesses in my back. I lost bone because of complications from diabetes. And uh, they did a surgery on my back and when they finally had finished, they left me with a huge metal plate and six four-inch screws holding my back together. I was in a lot of pain all night last night, all morning this morning. Um, came to church this morning, a word was spoken about smalls of the back. I got up, people prayed for me. I was delivered from the pain in my back. Um, I believe that the screws that were in my back holding things together have been removed. Jesus has done a recreative miracle in my body. After that, you can see right here where uh, a whoop, sorry, a vicious kind of um, zipper goes around my body where they opened me up and they had to take out two ribs in order to do that surgery. As people were praying for me today, I felt this waterfall go down my back from the from the top of my neck all the way down, this gentle, gentle flow of water. And I know that I know that I know. Jesus regrew those ribs in my body, took those screws out of my back, and I know this metal plate's coming out in Jesus' name. He did an awesome thing for me today, and I'm so thankful. Okay, so uh, how do you, is there a way to tell if the screws are gone? I'm a registered nurse and I am his wife. Okay. I was rubbing his back last night like I do and when I do I mess with the screws. I can I can feel them with my fingers. Um, the screw I can't feel the screws. I've looked, I've searched, I've I've looked to see if they've migrated somewhere. Jesus. They're gone. Um, I and can, you could always feel them before? I could feel them from the day of surgery all the way until last night when I was rubbing his back, messing with the screws. I could feel the screw heads when I was rubbing his back last night, and, and you I cannot can't feel, feel them. them now. That's amazing. I can feel the, ri the ribs. I can feel his ribs in his body. There were no ribs there. I was rubbing on him last night. There were no ribs there. So how many I ribs were you missing? How many had were surgically removed? Two. 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 And there's two now that were not there before. That I can feel in the empty space. I can feel Praise that there God. are ribs there in that empty space. Praise that God. is amazing. Come on, Amen. Jesus. 
And then, is there a way to tell on the metal plate, or we'll know that eventually when you go to the hospital or something? Well, no, with x-rays, but my back feels completely different, completely changed. I can't feel the metal plate, I can't feel the binding, I can't feel the twisting in my abdomen. Jesus has done a recreative miracle in my body. And you had demonstrated before that you could lay down and get up, and you hadn't been able to do that for three years. I couldn't years prostrate myself. On the floor. I couldn't. And now you can. And now, now I can. can. That's and get amazing. up from the floor. That is amazing. Because of Come Jesus. On. Because of Jesus and faithful, everyday people who prayed for me. Absolutely. Amen. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing. God bless you guys. God, God bless, bless you. Okay, that's amazing. Yes, glory to God. We, that miracle happened here in Southern California, and it happened when ordinary people prayed for those people. Paul Rapley trained them, and the ordinary people went out who were trained and prayed for them, and that miracle happens. Okay? Paul Rapley's been to this church earlier this year, and he taught some people in this church how to pray for the sick. And so we see God still doing stuff. He hasn't given up on us, despite our sins and our craziness. You see, they're ordinary, everyday people, and they got a miracle from God. Okay, So God's coming along. He's doing stuff. He's changing. The power of Jesus is not over and done with, even in today's scientific age. And we're going to talk about miracles and how they're available to us through the benefits of God and through the benefits of the cross. Okay. Now, the first thing is that miracles are from God. They're not from me. They're not from uh, some... Uh, technology or anything like that. Miracles are from God, and God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's powerful and he's supernatural. And God is spirit, and spirit can create matter. We know that in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let there be light, and there's light, and then he creates the heavens and the earth and all the animals, and he speaks, and it's done. And here in this miracle, he spoke, and there were ribs, and he spoke, and the screws go out, and God does it through the power of the name of Jesus. God works. God is the creator and he acts powerfully to keep his creation working, healed and whole. God wants his creation to work and sometimes he has to step in and do a supernatural miracle. He has to create something. He has to uh, uh, take a few loaves and fishes and feed 5,000 people. He'll stop a storm, raise Lazarus from the dead. God walks into the situations and changes them, and he's allowed to do that. He's sovereign. He can change anything he likes and do whatever he wants. He can create three days of darkness in Egypt. Uh, he can cause fire from heaven for Elijah. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is not locked into the laws of science. He created the laws of science, and if he wants to break them, he can break them. Now, my background's in chemistry and quantum mechanics and uh, all that kind of stuff, so I have a scientific... Uh, outlook, and I love my equations, and I love science, and I don't despise science. I think the intellectual life is very important. The scientific and medical life is very important. I'm not putting, putting that down. I'm not saying that medicine is a bad thing. But I'm saying that God is beyond medicine, and he's beyond science. He's beyond what our mind can think. He's beyond what our hearts can know. Also, uh, I want to add at this point, a lot of miracles happen when you don't feel anything. I'm praying for someone, I think, oh, nothing happened, and then they report their cancer was healed, right? Or in a case, uh, you know, there's a case where Paul Rapley healed somebody, the guy had stiff arms, he couldn't raise them above this level, and he prayed for him, and the guy says, nothing happened. You know, like this, nothing happened. He said, how do you know nothing happened? Well, see, I can't lift my arms. <laughs> and he could lift his arms. Uh, and we challenged him to test it. He'd been healed, but he hadn't felt anything during uh, the healing. And so it's not about our emotions. It's not about getting into some emotionally worked up state uh, or getting into some semi-hypnotic mush in order to get healed. Uh, you don't have to be in a certain emotional state. You don't have to be a certain intellectual. And you don't have to be good. But you see, Jesus died for you on the cross and you have the righteousness of God in Christ and you're just as entitled to a miracle as anybody else. And most miracles happen to you, Christians or non-Christians. Right? They happen to people who are, are not all together, and that's fine. They happen to all sorts of people in the Bible who are in all sorts of stages of life. And God reached down and changed their life uh, through the power. And God loves you, and God wants to do stuff for you. God is love, and God love does amazing things for the beloved. He created the earth for us to live in. Uh, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He he, he saw someone with leprosy and healed that person with leprosy because 
God is love. And so God loves you and he wants your life to work. Right? He wants your life to be better. He wants miracles to happen. Now miracles, you say, well, why don't miracles happen all the time? Uh, one of the reasons is the lack of faith, but it's not the lack of the faith of the person being prayed for. Lazarus was dead. He didn't have any faith, but he got raised from the dead because Jesus ordered him, you know, Lazarus, come forth. Other people, the epileptic boy was healed. He was unconscious. His father had very little faith, but he still got healed uh, when Jesus came along. When Jesus turns up, it doesn't depend on your faith. It, you, certainly, if you want a miracle uh, and you cry out to God, even if you're halfway believing, God can turn up. The, the lack of faith is mainly on the part of the disciples. Jesus would rebuke them and say, Oh, you have little faith. Why couldn't you do this miracle? Why didn't you turn up? And it's up to us pastors. And uh, we pastors, we people who are supposed to do the praying, supposed to see the miracles, we often knock at our knees. If someone comes sick and we think, Oh, look at this person so sick and nothing's going to happen and I'm going to look stupid up the front of the church. And our faith plummets because we're afraid of our own image, afraid of our own appearance, uh, and we just feel dumb and we don't want to do the healing thing. And for 15 years, I, even if I believed in people, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, didn't see any healing. I got friends of mine passed away from cancer, didn't see any healing. I was desperate and I was angry and I read the Bible and I saw healing there and I saw prayer working, uh, but I was praying the wrong way. I was praying... Uh, Father in heaven, if it will be your will, get this person healed. Nothing happened, nothing happened. And I saw this thing about command prayer in the Bible, where you order in the name of Jesus. You give a command. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, ears be opened, eyes be opened, whatever. And I saw that all through the New Testament, it was commands. So I go to this little Anglican church in Townsville, Australia, mainly old people, evening service. Uh, and I preached on command prayer. I wasn't preaching on healing, wasn't preaching on miracles. I was just preaching on command prayer, how you needed to speak to situations and command them. Speak to this mountain, let it move. Anyway, at, at the end of the service, much to my horror, 15 people line up, all wanting healing. Now, at this point, I was at the point where I say, if you don't ask me to pray for you, or you'll drop dead. I'm just so bad at healing. So 15 people, I'm disgusted and busted in the healing area. So I go to person one, pray for them, they're healed. Person two, pray for them, they're healed. Person three, pray for them, they're healed. Go straight along the line, 15 people are healed. And I'm the most surprised person in the church. I, God had trapped me. I had to do what I just preached. I had to command, right? I preached on command prayer. I was trapped into actually not being a hypocrite and having to do what the preacher just said he was supposed to do. So I went and I commanded these things to happen and they all happened. I'd never seen one healing before. I suddenly saw 15. Because command prayer works because I did it the Bible way. I stopped doing it my way. I started commanding in the name of Jesus I and God gave me the faith and these people got healed. So you've got to ask God for the faith and please pray for us pastors that we have the faith and that we have the boldness that we do things the Bible way uh, because we're, we're the ones that everyone looks to and your elders, you can pray for the, uh, uh, for the sick and see them healed as well. It's not just for us. But we want to see more miracles in the body of Christ. We want to see healings around and it's gradually, gradually increased. If you go back to the 1950s, there's just sort of half a dozen people in America, Oral, Oral Roberts and a few others, going around doing big tent crusades and seeing everyone healed. Now, there's more and more people and more and more people, and then pastors, average pastors are seeing healing. And now it's got down to the congregational level, and lots and lots of people are praying for their friends, their family, and seeing them healed. Healing is now, the people, we've got friends here from YWAM and others, they've seen healing in their ministry, I'm sure. And people are going around and they're praying, and we'll see another video later on about just two ordinary people going into a hospital. Uh, okay. And so God is kind, he's compassionate, and he heals us. God defends his name against other rival so-called gods by demonstrating his great power, e.g. in Egypt, the ten plagues in Egypt, you know, the plague of darkness was against the, the sun god Ra, and another plague was against this and that and the other. Uh, uh, and the firstborn was against Pharaoh being worshipped as God. And so God shows that he's a superior God uh, by showing he has greater power. Now, a friend of mine's got a ministry in India, and, and a, a team of Indian evangelists went out to this village that had this big sacred tree that had been there for hundreds of years, and everyone bowed down and worshipped the demons that were in this tree. Uh, and they go to this village, and they get a very hostile reaction to the gospel. They're taken out to the tree, and they're beaten 
Maybe I think one died and the rest were in hospital for months. Uh, and they were beaten just to the inch of their eye and their blood fell on this tree so that had been there. And so they come back uh, and they get, just get out of hospital like three or four months later and God says to them, go back to the village that beat you so savagely. They're going like, no! <laughs> you know, they're scared. God keeps saying, go back to this village. And so they reluctantly go back to the village that beat them up the, 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 with the magic tree and the tree's dead from the roots up. It's finished. Right? And they said, after we beat you up and your blood fell on this tree, this tree died. Your Jesus is more powerful than our demons. We all want to believe. And the whole village believed. Because the God of Jesus was more powerful than the God of the magic tree and the God of that village and the demons of that village. And we see this time and time again. I, I was, um, when I was a young missionary in the 80s, early 80s, I went to Papua New Guinea to parts that had just come out of cannibalism. They're like five years, ten years before I got there. They'd been cannibals uh, and, uh, and the missionaries had come like 30 years before I, I got there and they gradually got them saved and out of cannibalism. I was there just, just after that period. There was no electricity. It was all you know, paddling canoes down the river and kerosene lamps and kerosene refrigerators. And I've got many horror stories about this, right? Uh, and big snakes everywhere and real jungle stuff, right? Uh, and so well, the power of Jesus there was demonstrated in the, the, the fact that the, miric, the, uh, the missionaries, they'd go into these villages and all the witch doctors would curse the, the missionaries trying to kill them. The missionaries survived. And everyone around says, how come they're not dead? Because their magic would kill people. Other people in the villages, they'd curse them and they'd drop dead. But the missionaries didn't drop dead. And I said, these missionaries, their God is bigger than our demons and our spells and our witchcraft. And that was a big part of the reason that they believed because the spells were not effective uh, against the missionaries. So when God, God is powerful, God demonstrates his name through miracles. God is holy, God's eternal. And when God, eternity touches time, things happen in an instant. And when holiness touches this world, it has to change the world because God's holy and this world isn't, and something has to happen when the holy and the eternal hits earth and astounding miracles occur. And God has included healing in the cross through faith. Let's go to our Bibles, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, and uh, with some very familiar passages, and uh, uh, verses 4 and 5 will do. Uh, 4, 5 and 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the big things, the transgressions, that's equivalent to felonies, they're crimes. Iniquity, there's things so bad that they bring their own instant judgment. God has paid the price for them through Jesus. And he was bruised for our iniquity. All that stuff. The chastisement for our peace or our shalom or our, our prosperity and the goodness and healing in life was laid on him. So those 39 lashes that tore his back up, that was so that we could have peace, so that we could have shalom, so we could have spiritual peace, emotional peace. That price was paid when Jesus was tormented and whipped and, and cruelly beaten. And when he died on the cross... He paid the price for our sins, but also for our healing. It says, by his stripes we are healed. And healing was a capital A. It's, it's, it's salvation. It's sozo. It's the complete healing. Body, soul, mind, spirit, everything healed. By his stripes you are healed. Jesus paid the price. His death brings us life. His sickness brings us health. His cross heals us. By his stripes we are healed. There is a divine exchange going on there. Now that is a benefit. Let's go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Let's talk about this a bit more. Okay. Psalm 103, first few verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle, forgives your iniquities, heals all your diseases. And these are the benefits of the cross. 
Now, we have a benefits package. My wife works for LAUSD, and she has a wonderful benefits package, including healthcare. All right? So, but we have to apply for the benefits, don't we? November comes around, we have to fill in the forms, and we, that is part of the benefits package. I don't get the benefits automatically. There has to be an application process. We have to appropriate the benefits into our own lives. So how do we get God's benefits? Through faith, through prayer. You have to go to God and say, God, I want your benefits. They're there in the Bible. Healing's in the Bible, salvation's in the Bible, being filled with the Holy Spirit's in the Bible, sanctification's in the Bible. I want those benefits. I want my sins forgiven. Like when you got saved, you had to go to God and say, I want my sins saved. I want to be my sins forgiven. I want my soul saved. And you got the benefits because you asked. If you don't ask, you don't receive. Right? So you've got to ask for the benefits. They're yours. They're in the contract. New covenant just means new contract. And it's a new contract that we have with God that contains these benefits. And so we've got to go, go to God by faith and say, I have these benefits stored up for me in heaven. Please send them my way now. And we insist on it. The word for prayer or ask in the New Testament in many places is aiteo, A-I-T-E-O. It's a Greek word, and it means you insist on something that's your right. Like the widow going to the judge, knock, 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 I want this, this is my right. Persist in prayer. Knock, 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 I want this, this is my right. You annoy God until you get what you want. God wants you to annoy him. I'll tell you, Minda is really good at doing that. She is persistent. She gets in God's face and she gets miraculous answers to prayer. She doesn't give up. Don't just go pray, oh God, I want this, and then give up, right? You've got to believe and you've got to get in there and it's got to be from here and you push into God. It's part of the benefits of the cross that's yours. Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus healed during his ministry. Jesus still heals today. And the name of Jesus is very powerful. By faith in his, Jesus' name, his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. This is the lame man at the gate, beautiful. The uh, Peter and John walk along with command prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He rises and walks. His ankle is strength. Now the miracle happens when they test the miracle. When they lift him up, when they grab his hand, that's when he's strengthened. Right? As they test the miracle, as they, as they uh, do it, that's when uh, the, the healing happens. But it's through the power of the name of Jesus. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives gifts so the gospel can be shared and the body of Christ built up. He dwells in you and me and believers as spiritual power for changing us and empowering us. And he works in two ways, in you and upon you. Uh, the Holy Spirit is in you for the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. So he comes in you to change your character, give you wisdom, make you like God, make you godly. That's the inward work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to make you a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, earth. Holy Spirit comes upon you for miracle working power so you can speak in tongues, so you can pray for the sick, so you can see the dead raised and the lepers cleansed and testify to the glory of God. So when the Holy Spirit is upon you, that when the anointing is upon you, then that's when the miraculous stuff happens. And so the Holy Spirit's there. Now this next video is nowhere near as spectacular as the last video in terms of uh, a major miracle. What it is, is it's just two very ordinary Filipinos Go to Manila Hospital, pray for the sick, and see a bunch of people saved. These are two of the most ordinary people you'll see. Uh, just going, and you, people say, well, why don't the healers go to the hospitals? Well, these ones did. So listen to these ordinary folks are testifying to what God did through them. All right, hello, this is Paul Rapley, and I am with my friends here in Manila. We just went to the hospital. And God did some great things. So this is Jackie and Jesse, and Jesse's going to translate as Jackie shares a testimony. So, go ahead. What did Jesus do? They prayed for a woman. She has cysts in her lungs and phlegm. Hmm. Uh, uh, 
in restoring the body niya. He declared healing and uh, restoration of her body. Mm -hmm. And uh, meltdown ng they also prayed that they declared that the cyst will be melted away and the flame will go away. She had uh, difficulties standing up, so they declared the. Uh, uh, healing in her body and they declared that she will uh, be able to stand up and uh, supernatural strength in her body and in her uh, she has also problems uh, urinating so they declared also healing in that area before they prayed for her uh, she was very, she was pale, and after they prayed for her, uh, color became began to uh, come in. And, wow! Uh, so she was pale, but then color came into her body. Yeah, came, color came into her body. That's amazing. Her, uh, a bit reddish. That's and, uh, amazing. She also accepted uh, Jesus as her savior. That's amazing too. All right. She is now believing that um, because of that sickness and the healing, she will be used by God to uh, minister to other people also. Wonderful. Very good. Well, thank you for sharing. And it was just a great day here at the hospital. Many people were healed and many people received Jesus. And Jesse, you just shared you prayed with some people to receive Jesus. Yeah. About how many people did you pray with to receive Jesus at the hospital? Uh, first group was around five people uh -huh. and uh, more around 10 or more. Wow, that's a very good day. All right. So God is doing great things at the Manila hospitals. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Okay. I don't know if you picked up what happened there through the translation and through the hum and the noise in that video. Uh, the, 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 the young girl there goes in and she finds this lady who's got her lungs full of cysts and phlegm. Uh, and she's got other problems as well, standing and, and things. She keeps praying bit by bit for this woman until she's healed. And gradually, color comes back into the woman's body. The woman then gets up and says, I'm healed. I believe, and she receives Jesus as the Savior. The woman says, now I'm healed. Now I'm a Christian. I'm going to go out and do this. And so this new believer then says that she's going to go out. The woman that was healed uh, testified to the young girl that she would go out and start her own healing ministry. So she goes from lying in bed sick with her lungs full of fluid and cyst and phlegm up to being a saved person who wants to go out and serve the Lord. That's pretty spectacular praise to the name of Jesus. So not only is she saved, but the other guy goes out and he leads five or ten people to the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to happen. We cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, heal the sick, and we proclaim the kingdom of God so that people believe. These are just two really ordinary people, aren't they? We're not talking about super preachers here. We're talking about people like you and I. And they go into a hospital and they get people healed and saved in the middle of a hospital. People say, why don't the preachers go into the hospitals and blah, blah, blah. Well, over here they're not allowed a lot of the time. In the middle of they were allowed to. They went there and they got results. Okay? So healing is happening. It's happening not just through spectacular people but by people who are trained, people who believe, people who go out and try the stuff. Now, this is the problem we have, is we don't try. We give up. We go, oh, it's too hard. And look, we can't disqualify God. The fact that I don't feel that... So, see, these lights are really bright. Can you turn them down just a tad? Uh, the fact that I don't feel that I'm going to heal someone, that... Who am I to disqualify the name of Jesus? I don't feel like Jesus is going to operate today. You know, I never get up here and preach. You know, I never want to get up here and preach. Every time I'm here, I say, oh, I don't feel I've got anything for anybody. Every, every time, like yesterday, last night, and this morning, I don't feel I've got anything. I've got no anointing. It's going to be horrible. Every time, right? If I've only ministered when I felt like ministering, I, nothing would happen, right? 
So you turn up, even if you don't feel like it, and you preach, and stuff happens, and people are blessed. Okay, God did it anyway, despite my feelings, right? And when you same with healing, you look at someone and you think, oh, this. I, the, the, the times where I prayed and healed people of cancer, not one of them did I believe anything was much was going to happen. I'd be there, and the person like was one in, uh, uh, you know, that triangle place that's down near Long Beach. You know, there's a hospital down there. And we had a relative, fourth stage cancer, brain tumour, lying there, tubes out of him. And the family says, okay, you're our pastor, you go down and pray for him. Oh, crumbs, you know. Turn up at the hospital, pray for this guy, cancer goes away, tubes come out, receives Jesus as saviour. Oh, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> right? God did it! Despite my feelings. I turned up and the faith came when I turned up and did it. As I was praying for him, the faith came. But I had to be there with my hands on his head in a hospital room, surrounded by relatives, feeling really stupid and helpless. And as I prayed, the faith came. You've got to turn up and do it. Right? And that person's still alive today. Right? So turn up like these people did. Go and try. You know, no one gets mad at you if you pray nicely and tactfully because, you know, and sometimes it works, right? Sometimes it actually happens. So get out there and follow an example and be bold. Okay. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible. With God all things are possible. Because of your little faith, why miracle didn't happen, he told them, For I assure you, if you have faith the size of mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. You must speak to the mountain. Often we speak to God to move the mountain. Ah, uh -uh. Jesus says, You speak to the mountain. Every miracle or every energetic thing that happens in creation happens through a point of contact. If I, I, when I was a teenager at that stage, I, around then, I used to play golf. I love playing golf. I have, in my missionary life, I've never been able to afford golf club fees, so that went away. Uh, but when I was younger, I played golf. And when you hit the golf ball, there is a point of contact between the golf club and the golf ball. No point of contact. If you miss the ball, no, it doesn't go anywhere. But when you have the point of contact, boom, the ball flies off. With an electric outlet... You've got to plug the washing machine or the appliance or the electric drill into the point of contact and switch the switch on for it to work. No point of contact. The electric drill does not work. And the point of contact between God and man is Christ Jesus. He is a mediator. He came in flesh. He became the point of contact from God to earth. He walks around and people get healed because the energy of God is flowing out from him. He is the point of contact and his word is a point of contact. And the name of Jesus is a point of contact. And the apostles, they took the power of the name of Jesus and they healed the lame man in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They didn't ask God to heal the lame man. They were the point of contact. They had the name of Jesus. They were the point of contact for the, the lame man. And they said, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When, and we see the miracles in Acts. You know, little girl arise. This... They're giving commands over and over again. You, have, you are the point of contact for your family, your world with God. God dwells in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is in you. Jesus is in you. And when they contact you and you have faith, God flows out through you to do the miracles. You have to speak to the mountain. I can tell you, it wasn't until I used command prayer and I spoke to the mountain that I saw stuff happen. You have to speak to the situation. Now, you have to speak what God wants to the situation. So before you go into your miracle situation, you ask, God, what do you want me to say? God, what do you want me to believe? God, what is the miracle that you want to see achieved in this situation? Now, sometimes we try and tell God which miracle we want. Sometimes I want 72 different miracles. I've wanted this finger healed that's messed up for years. God, I want my finger. It hurts all the time. Please get here. So far that miracle hasn't happened for me, but other miracles have. So you go and say to God, God, what's the miracle you want me to believe for today? What will I speak? What will I say by faith? 
Okay, and you get it, you'll get it in your spirit. God will whisper it in your ear. God will give it in your heart. Oh, I want your cousin to come to Christ. And you say, my cousin? That guy is such a blah, 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 blah. He'll never come to Jesus. And you say, well, that's the miracle. He's going to come to Jesus. You command his salvation. You speak it. You pray it. You command that he's surrounded by a very quick thing. How to, I'll just give you two minutes on how to pray for the unbelievers, right? Firstly, you pray on the basis of redemption. Jesus has died, and he doesn't want any man to perish or woman to perish. So I say, Jesus, you died, and we'll call the guy Bill. Jesus, you died for Bill, and because you died for Bill, I'm claiming Bill's salvation now. You're praying on the basis of redemption, and you pray by name, and you insist that he gets saved. Then pray that he gets surrounded by Christians. I claim that Bill is surrounded by Christians, that wherever he turns, from the north, the south, and the east and the west, he's surrounded by Christians. And next, pray that he'll be surrounded by truth, that the lies that are keeping him there as a non-Christian are blown away, that God sends truth and opens his spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, and he hears the gospel clearly, right? Now, so we, you pray for them on the basis of redemption. You pray they're surrounded by, by Christians. You pray that they hear the truth of the gospel with clarity and power and keep praying. I had a, a, a Bible study group. I was doing university ministry at this Bible study group on Wednesday night. And, uh, uh, and these were really uh, kind of millennial young people who didn't want to witness, who believed in Jesus, but they were not going to share their faith. They weren't introverts. They were extroverts. They were really loud. It was the loudest Bible study you could imagine. But they would not share their faith because they thought that was, you know, everyone had a right to their own opinions and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and they were very postmodern, which is very common in Australia. Australia's a lot further to the left than America is. So uh, they, you know, multiple passes of Asian, I couldn't convince them otherwise. That's, but we, we had a book and we said, oh, what about we pray that your friends get saved? They agreed that much. So we would write the name of the person they want Right in this book, and every Wednesday night we would pray, you know, Bill and Joanne and whatever, and Christine, we have this name. About 30 people came to Christ in six weeks of prayer. Every name we wrote in that book got saved within six weeks. They called it the book of life. They were saved by prayer alone. So you get together with two or three of your friends and you pray for your relatives Pray where two or three are gathered, you know, uh, there am I in the midst, and God answers prayer. So pray together. Okay. God, the kingdom of God is in word, not in words, but in power. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom, for I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith might be not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. You see, you can't, if, if I argue someone into the kingdom of God, someone else can argue them out. But when they've seen a miracle, when they've felt God's power in their heart, when they've seen their own life changed, when they've seen their family's life changed, when they've come from darkness to light and from drugs to Christ, they know because their faith is in the power of God. A lot of evangelism is just salesmanship and it doesn't produce converts. They, the people are trained in a sales technique. Here, go through this brochure for law one, law two, law three, law four. Pray the prayer at the end. Do you want eternal life forever? Just pray this prayer. Yeah, I want eternal life. Pray the prayer. But there's no conviction of sin. There's no repentance. There's no power of God in their life and they just wander away believing they're saved because they prayed a prayer, but there's no change of life. That's not repentance and faith. That's not New Testament salvation. It's based on a persuasive marketing technique, Madison Avenue stuff rolled into Christianity, and that's not salvation. Okay, Salvation is when you are born again, when you go from darkness to light, when you experience the power of God in your life, so much so that you've got to go and get baptised. You know that you know Jesus. That's when it's coming through for you. And you, your salvation has to be, ba to be based on the miracle of what God's done in your life. So that when I, was, I got saved, I was an atheist. 
I was trying to mathematically disprove the existence of God. That afternoon, God came to me as a light and spoke to me for 20 minutes. The afternoon, I was not seeking for God, trying to disprove him because I was so annoyed with Christians. God turned up, and that was a miracle based on the power of God. So I know that I know that I'm safe, and I've changed a lot. So it's not about words. Words are important. Theology is important. Having right doctrine is important. But when it comes to salvation, people need power. They need to see God at work. And so we've got to pray for miracles so that people can get saved. Miracles are part of our bold testimony. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your slaves may speak your message with complete boldness. While you stretch out your hand for healing, signs and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak God's message with boldness. The early church was threatened with persecution. And they said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about these threats? And they said, we're going to pray for boldness. And they prayed for boldness and they prayed for the Holy Spirit. That's in chapter 4, chapter 5. We get a whole bunch of miracles taking place. And miracles testified to Jesus and they gave glory to God. Miracles are part of revival. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands so that even face cloths or work aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, the diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. I don't understand the face cloths bit, but I know that Ephesus was a place of great darkness, a place of, a place of idols and demons and temples. And Paul goes in there, he does a lot of exorcism, he sees a lot of saved people saved, magic books are burned. And as part of that, as he's testifying that the power of God is greater than the power of demons, miracle after miracle after miracle happens, and these miracles bring people to the gospel. Prayer and greater works. I assure you, the one who believes in me uh, will also do the works that I do. This is Jesus speaking. And he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, anything in my name is anything in his name that glorifies the Son, that glorifies the Father. I can't ask for a Rolls Royce, right? Say, this is not a blank check for me to make myself a multimillionaire. It's a blank check to glorify God. So whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's got to bring the glory to God. So when you ask for people to be healed, when you ask for people to be saved, when you ask for impossible circumstances to change, you're asking for the Father to be glorified in the Son. If it's going to bring glory to the name of Jesus, say, okay, I'm asking this in your name. I'm asking it not in my cleverness, but in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, I command. And that's the ask word for Iteo, which means you insist. You legally insist and you persist until you get what you want from God in order to bear fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Uh, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples." Now, you can run a sort of a church without abiding in Christ. You can preach false doctrine and be a good actor. and People will come to your church, but there's no fruit for God. Right? All it is is a performance. Right? And there are some churches like that that are just dead performances and dead rituals. But if you remain in Christ and his words remain in you, then you'll start doing the God stuff. You won't be just doing the human stuff. You will be doing the God stuff. You will be bearing fruit for Jesus because God's words will come true in your life and whatever you ask, whatever you want, it will be done for you because God's word is remaining in you and things are happening that are powerful and that are good. So God wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to bear fruit through prayer. He wants to see you have extraordinary answers to prayer. He doesn't want you to live the boring Christian life. He wants you to live the exciting Christian life that's full of miracles. Finally, the resurrection from the dead. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. For we say this to you by revelation from the Lord. 
We, are still, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord, therefore encourage one another with these words. When billions of people rise from the dead and meet the Lord in the air, that is a big miracle. Lazarus rising from the dead is a great miracle. Raising anyone from the dead, but raising people who have been dead for centuries and giving them new spiritual bodies, for the mortal must put on the immortal and the perishable must put on the imperishable. And the, those in the sea will come up, be given up. I, I, and the, I think God has backup copies of us. So he just presses restore. And restore and transform, and up we go. Right? He knows about the people eaten by sharks or blown up by atomic bombs, and he's got the backup copy. He knows every hair in our head. He's numbered every hair in our head. And he will restore us. And he will raise us from the dead. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. For the physical must put on the spiritual and so on and so forth. So the final miracle is the resurrection from the dead when we go to be with the Lord. And if there are no miracles, then this isn't going to happen either. right? Because this is against the laws of nature. <laughs> The dead don't raise themselves. That's being raised by the power of God. So we believe in the resurrection. We believe in miracles. We believe in the power of the name of Jesus. Now, let me go back and reiterate. How do you get your miracle, the miracle that you need? You're probably sitting there, but Pastor John, I need this. I need that. I need God to turn my situation around. Firstly, to ask God about that miracle. Talk to him about it and have a sense whether God's in your request or not. Sometimes I will pray and, and it will just like, no. Nah. Other times I'll pray and God will say, yes, I will give you that miracle. Now I want you to pray for it. Now once you've got that thing, once you've got a click with God, once you've got, yes, okay, I'm going to answer that one for you, then write it down in a form that you can speak aloud. For me, it's often in a little poem, like a little two or three or four line poem. And then I march around the den at home and I proclaim it over and over and over again. You know, in Jesus' name I declare that this will happen, right? And I write it down and it's like a little poem or something. Now, why do I have to say it over and over again? It isn't because God is deaf. It's because it needs to get down into my spirit. It needs to go from my head to my heart, right down into my spirit till it clicks there. At some point it clicks. And then my spirit sends the message off to God's spirit and stuff happens, right? That's when the faith connection, that's when the spark happens. And so I need to speak that out. I need to walk around. I need to declare it. I need to say, this will happen, this will happen. This. I, believe, I believe that I'm receiving this or I believe that this is happening. And I declare it and I speak to the mountain and I get authority and I get loud over it. Now, this is why I do it at home. You know, I, get, I can do it in a space where I can get loud and say, this is going to happen. Now, some of you might do it quietly. That's fine. But for me, even as a quiet person, I need to get loud sometimes. And I have, I don't, sometimes I'll pray with one of my prayer partners. I'll say, this is what I believe God wants us to pray for. Let's pray for it. Let's claim it. Let's declare it. And sometimes there's more interaction when there's someone else involved. You should always have a prayer partner in your life. So go, seek God. What is the miracle that he wants you to believe for? Then seek him a little bit further and get the words that you feel you've got to declare into the spiritual realms. Declare those words over and over again with authority. Now, that's going to be new for many of you. It's very hard to give up the old habit of praying. If it be your will, please, Father, blah, blah, blah. Now, you've been doing that, some of you, for 20, 30 years. If it be your will, please, God. And it's never worked. So stop it now. Right? Stop doing that. It doesn't work. My method works. That one doesn't. Right? Do it the Bible way. The Bible way is get in God's face and declare stuff. Give commands. Look at the New Testament. Look how they pray in the New Testament. It's all commands. It's all declarations. Okay? Forget the Old Testament way of, of praying. We're in a new covenant. We've got new benefits. We've got a new contract with God. And speak to the mountain. And get it from God. Get it down in your spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. 
Listen to the Holy Spirit and speak it out. Uh, and listen to God. Speak what God wants you to speak. Declare it and be insistent about it and be bold about it. And you will see many, many, many more answers to prayer. Okay? And I know, please don't drift back to your old habits of prayer. Okay? I would love to teach you all how to pray, but I haven't got time to do that this morning. But you're going to go back and you're going to be bold and you're going to insist on your miracles. Please stand up. We're going to finish up here. The worship team can come up. Now, I want you to believe that you are receiving faith for miracles. Okay? I want you to put out your hands and you just say, God, I believe I'm receiving faith for miracles. Because believe me, folks, we all need faith for miracles, right? I need it. You need it. We all need it. Okay? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe that we are receiving faith for miracles. We believe we're receiving faith for answered prayer. Lord, we believe we're receiving faith for salvation, faith for our family, faith for transformation, faith for the power of the name of Jesus to be unleashed through us. Not because we're good, not because we're smart, not because we're better than anyone else, but because the name of Jesus is present and alive today. And Lord, I ask that you give everyone in this room faith in the name of Jesus, faith in your promises, faith in your word. We are receiving faith in Jesus. We are receiving faith. We believe we're receiving faith in the name of Jesus, faith in the word of God, faith in the power of God, faith for miracles, faith that even ordinary people could change the world. Help us, O oh Lord, to rise up Pour out your Holy Spirit and blow away the doubt. Blow away the silly reasons we have why it's not going to happen. Lord, fill us with faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Through the cross, through the resurrection, through the heavenly realms, you say we've got every blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, so we receive faith now. Raise up our prayer life. Raise it up and we declare that we will pray with power. We declare we will pray and see answers. We declare we'll speak to the world and the world will change. We'll speak to our families and our families will change. We'll speak to our health problems and our health problems will change. We will speak to our circumstances and our circumstances will change. Not by our power, not by might, but by our, the Spirit of the Lord in the name of Jesus, this will happen. So I claim for this church right now, healing faith, miracle working faith, great faith, new faith, renewed faith. We claim it now in the power of the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.